Greetings, one and all. Welcome to another episode of Strange Places. I am your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. So I wanted to do a bit of a different episode of Strange Places this week. It's not for a lack of ideas, that's for damn sure. I have more. <laughs> there are more strange places on Earth that could fill a podcast forever. But I wanted to kind of flip the script on you this week and um, tell you something very uh, kind of a personal story, my own foray into the paranormal. And I think this is uh, going to be a very interesting, <laughs> very interesting little tale here. And I want to say kind of disclaimer right off the bat. I'm not trying to prove to you that these events occurred. I'm merely relaying what I know from first and third hand experience. And um, I want you to draw your own conclusions. Because, like, at the end of all these things that we study, you know, I say either this is legit, this is debunked, or this requires further study. I'm going to tell you right off the bat at the beginning of the podcast, flipping the script again, that I think this one does require some further study. I'm not entirely sure what it was myself. So with that said, I hope you trust that I'm not trying to sell you on anything. So I'm going to give you kind of the Reader's Digest setup here. <laughs> um, I, well, I'm originally from San Diego, California. I moved to Paducah, Kentucky in April of 2006 when I was, uh, well, I, I moved to, <laughs> let me go back further than that. I moved to uh, Iowa in 1997. I was 13 years old. And uh, my uncle lived here in Paducah, Kentucky, where I am now. I ended up moving here in April of 2006. And, uh, you know, everybody just, uh, me and my mom in particular, just needed a change of scenery. Uh, we love Iowa. I'll always love Iowa. That's where my heart is. Matter of fact, it's still the place that I really call home, like home home. I know home is, uh, the definition of home is where you keep your socks. So I still, I think I might still have a couple pair of socks over there somewhere. But, you know, as far as the, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the feeling sense, I feel like Iowa's more home than any place. But I've been here since 06. And when I first moved here, I lived with my uncle. And um, I got with a got with a young lady, who uh, eventually became the mother of my kids, ex-wife now. But uh, we we moved in together, and she lived in a trailer park here in Paducah. I'm not going to tell you which one because I think I made the place famous enough. But um, she lived in lot 150 in this trailer park, lot number 150. And based on the title that you can see, you know, that's what we're going to talk about here today. Now, she had some weird kind of stories about the place already. And she would just kind of fascinate me with it, you know. She said that the place was odd. That it felt like there was something stuck there. And it was kind of desperate to lash out. It didn't feel violent. It didn't feel anything like that, at least at that point. And she always had the, you know, just weird stories about walking out of a room, uh, all the cabinets being closed, walking back in, cabinets being open, things being uh, moved when you were out of the room in odd places, and you know, uh, 
one of the classic examples was things being stacked. Uh, she would be sitting on the couch reading a book or she would uh, be watching a movie or whatever, leave the living room and there would be a stack of books right in the middle of the floor. Stuff like that. More, in my opinion, mischievous than anything else. I mean, she didn't know quite what it was. Now, Lot 150 was a weird place. I felt it immediately <laughs> after moving in there. It was just, um, I don't know if it was psychosomatic, knowing all of her stories and, you know, shit like that. But uh, it just, it, it had, it just had a thickness to it. It just had this weird thickness to it. Nothing foreboding, nothing outwardly scary. But I have kind of a personal theory that when I moved in there, I may have stirred something up or aggravated something. There's a story that she told me about, a, uh, I'd say, two, three months before I moved in. My ex-wife, just for the sake of privacy, uh, let's call her Anne. Anne was brushing her hair in the bedroom in front of this uh, giant, like, full-body rotating mirror that she had, sitting there combing her hair. And she was immediately startled. There was a little girl in a white dress standing behind her. She said must have been five, six years old. She said she didn't look ghostly, didn't look anything like that, wasn't glowing, wasn't transparent. Just looked like some, you know, actual kid just wandered into the place and appeared behind her. And she just completely freaked out, threw the brush, uh, took off running. This was at night. The sun had just set. It was, it was already dark out. And she ran out of Lot 150 screaming. And she said, I swear to you, that thing was running beside me. It was running alongside me. She got to our friend's house who lived just a, a few trailers down. Uh, young husband and wife, recently married at the time. And uh, told them the whole story. They went back to Lot 150 Kind of did a little impromptu, you know, kind of ghost hunt there. And uh, didn't find Jack diddly diddly squat squat. Nothing. But it, it totally freaked her out. And um, my ex-wife is many things. <laughs> but uh, a bullshitter with this kind of stuff, Anne is not. And she was dead serious when she said it. And even if I didn't believe the story <laughs> and didn't believe... The young couple, for you know, uh, sake of privacy, again, I'm not going to mention their names. Which I, I did believe them. It's just that, uh, you know, like I've said on the podcast before, you look in somebody's eyes, you hear their voice, you know that they're telling the truth. I believed them. And it wasn't very long until I started having my own experiences in Lot 150. Now... I was going to mention this a little bit later, but I think this is important. Lot 150 is at the tail end of the trailer park. Matter of fact, it's the second to last lot in the trailer park. Now, I'm really fucking narrowing it down, ain't I? But <laughs> uh, there's just a very dense forest right there at the back. Very thick line of trees just right there at the end of the trailer park. If you look out the window of Lot 150, the rear bedroom, you see not much trees. And it was a weird place back there. Parts of it were fenced off. And the landlord, who was always kind of really skeevy about talking about Lot 150 anyway, when I, you know, made my little inquiries here and there, she said, 
You go back out to those woods, and everybody knows this. Everybody in the trailer park knows this. You go out to those woods for any reason. I'm talking eviction. And she was dead serious about it. So naturally, of course I went out there. (laughs) You can't say shit like that and expect me and my uh, crazy buddies at the time not to get curious. And it was was weird back there. Uh, There was... Uh, what I, you know, think of uh, evidence of squatters, there were mattresses back there, blankets, some pretty recent signs that, you know, there were some squatters back there, junked out, rusted out cars. But what got me was there were foundations where it was obvious that trailers had sat before. And there was a couple odd kind of foundation marks that are right on lot 150's kind of uh, lot, you know, a property, you know, own little section there. And <laughs> we were not allowed back in those woods at all. It was just, it was really weird. It's, you know, very thick forest and you could say about that what you want. Uh, thick forests are creepy anyway, especially at night when you, you know, want don't want the landlord seeing you. You can't bring a flashlight because, you know, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And you find blankets, doll heads, yeah, I'm serious, doll heads, the whole fucking bit, just like a damn horror movie. And it, like I said, and like Lot 150 itself, it was just the place was thick. I started noticing that whenever we left, whatever was inside Lot 150, and I'm not going to make any assumptions here, started off, I think, quite curious. You know how you have those just typical window shades and you take your finger and you pull them down and you kind of peek out, you know, if you hear some outside or you're, you know, keeping an eye on your car or whatever. We would leave to, you know, do whatever in the middle of the night, middle of the day, anytime we would leave. This mostly happened at night and you would see the shades in a V formation, just a couple of the shades go down, sit there for a minute and then slowly go back up like someone was peeking out of the shades. This happened on numerous occasions. Really weird. And you try to make the best of it. We weren't in a position to where we could move. (laughs) We weren't in a position to where, I mean, Lot 150, we were there to stay. That was our financial situation. And like within a young couple, you know, things, um, you just paycheck to paycheck. And sometimes you barely do that. So we were in there for the long haul, you know. The cat, uh, ironically named Mouse, (laughs) her cat Mouse, um, cats do some bizarre things, and uh, it kind of debunked a little of it for me when I first got a cat here recently. Uh, My big-ass 20-pound cat named Wasabi, it fits his name, he's a spicy dude. And, you know, cats, I've realized, do that. They stare off into space, they, um, you know, kind of track things around the house, God knows what they're seeing. But their sensors are much more heightened than ours. Shit, he could be hearing something a block away. You know what I mean? But this was different. Mouse would growl at nothing. She would get this, like uh, how uh, <laughs> I could only describe it as as the baggy face when I'm in the pantry and my cat knows that there's the fucking treats in there. He gets the big baby eyes, you know, and he does that little chirp thing there. <laughs> Mouse would do that only in certain parts of the house. And then, you know, things are like, okay, well, it's just a cat being a cat. Animals have heightened senses. It may still be that, you know, but that kind of was the marker 
of the that with the window shades of kind of the strange things that were happening in there. Over time, I started feeling very uneasy, especially in certain rooms. There was a deep feeling of resentment, a deep feeling of hatred. And that's the best way I can describe it. Don't ask me how I know or how I came to that or how I'm so convinced that what was permeating in Lot 150 was hatred. You just felt it in every room. Something there grew to hate us. And lo and behold, it started following us around. We would... Young couple, you know, we take selfies all the time and we take pictures and we hang out with our cool friends and we take, you know, <laughs> videos with our cell phones and stuff. And in almost every photo, there's a face peeking around a corner, a face that we didn't recognize. There would be strange shadows in places where there shouldn't be shadows. I still have these photos. And something that I believe is debunked now, the orb photos. And I'm convinced now, after doing a couple of ghost hunts, you know, around and doing my own experiments and stuff like that, I am convinced that uh, particles in the air are what cause the orbs. I'm not convinced that's a paranormal thing. I've done my own experiments. I've thoroughly debunked, in my opinion, the appearance of orbs and photographs. I think that's complete bullshit. But the faces, man, the faces. And they were way back in the background and they were always peeking. I shit you not, they were always peaking. Like I said at the beginning of this, I'm not trying to sell you on nothing. I'm just telling you what I saw, balls to bones, what I saw with my own two eyes, okay? My senses as I sit here, <laughs> right? It started following us around. And whenever we would take a video of something, there would be these strange dashing lights, especially around me for some reason. They'd buzz by my head, they'd be around my feet, and I don't remember these things <laughs> being around when these videos were filmed. We're a young couple, so we filmed everything. Huh? We filmed everything. And these orbs were all... I'm not going to say orbs. Because the, the definition of what you think is orb is, you know, the popular particle, you know, that's just kind of floating there. That's not what this was. These were little lights that buzzed around. I would say uh, no bigger than probably a match flame, which if you see something the size of a match flame floating around, that's big enough. It didn't cast any light on anything else. It was, it, you didn't see reflections off of anything. There was these lights floating around in our little videos that didn't seem to affect anything around it. No reflections, didn't light up anything. Fucking weird, man. And then started the uh, items moving shortly after that. Now, we're talking a period of, I'd say, uh, a period of uh, six months, six to eight months. This, is, this wasn't one after the other, after the other, after the other. What, right when you get used to something, as much as you force yourself to get used to when you're not in a position to just pack up. This happened over a period of months. And then, you know, something else would happen. I would be in the kitchen getting something out of the refrigerator. I'd grab a beer, close the refrigerator, go in another room for two fucking seconds, fridge is open again. And my beer is on the floor. 
I would put a load of dishes in the dishwasher. I would turn on the dishwasher, go in another room. I'd hear the dishwasher turn off. Wet dishes would be on the table. Weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. But it stopped feeling mischievous. It stopped. It was this overwhelming feeling of just pure, unadulterated, uncontrolled, unfiltered fucking hatred. And it was, it was, it was frightening. Now, uh, the young couple that I mentioned earlier, they decided once things started ramping up <laughs> to have themselves another little ghost hunt in Lot 150. So they came over one night armed with cameras and, uh, you know, armed with black lights and just whatever they could grab. It was very unscientific. <laughs> but nothing really of note happened during that little ghost hunt. And we didn't get any of the weird feelings. The feelings of hatred would come and go. It would eventually get to the point where it was like that 24 hours a fucking day. But this is when it was still kind of sporadic. We didn't get any of the feelings. We didn't see anything weird. We didn't hear anything weird. And we were recording sound in there as well. Uh, until we went and reviewed the photographs. That was the closest peeking face I've ever seen. It was damn near at the camera. It was fucking bizarre. We took a picture of the woods outside the window of the back bedroom. And I'd say 20 feet away, there's a, you know, a, a street lamp that would turn on at night. And this thing was peeking out from behind the pole. But it's just a fucking pole. <laughs> it would show the rest of the body. I don't care how skinny you were. Didn't see nothing. Just the face. Outline of uh, what looked like a hand grabbing the pole. Bizarre. And there, you know, were feelings that maybe, you know, there are people messing with us. It wasn't the best neighborhood. It wasn't the safest neighborhood. The kids there were a pain in the ass. But the photos, man. It was almost every photo you took in the place. There was somebody peeking way back in the corner somewhere, way back behind in the photos. Fucking bizarre. Eventually, we got to the point where we could move out. We we had been planning to move out for quite some time because uh, it, it was her, um, you know, it was it was Anne's uh, theory that me moving in had stirred something had stirred something up that was already kind of getting a little desperate, a little restless. And that feeling of hatred, I think, came from me coming in and kind of disturbing, you know, her atmosphere. <laughs> well, Mouse wasn't too fond of me either, for a time. And I felt like whatever was in Lot 150 was the same way. It wasn't residual. I believe what was there is intelligent. It had the ability to think, to react and it did not like me in the slightest. So uh, this was about, I would say, a week before we moved out. I and mean, we had boxes and everything all set up. We're ready to go, son. We're ready to go. We're sleeping in bed one night, and Anne wakes up screaming, just bloody murder screaming, swearing that something had grabbed her foot. I was fast asleep, man. I was like, I, I, I don't know. I, 
My arms aren't that long. I couldn't have done it in my sleep. I, I, I don't know. So me and my brilliance, um, I decided to try and bless Lot 150. I walked around with a crucifix. Uh, I have a quite a bit of Native American blood in my family. I'm a quarter uh, Cherokee. I'm not one of those fuckers that say, yeah, I go Cherokee meat. No, I actually do. I have papers and shit. And, <laughs> you know, I performed uh, Christian rites as well as rites there, too, in, a, in an attempt to kind of cleanse the place. Went back to bed. Finally got her calmed down, got myself calmed down, went back to bed, and I was completely unconscious. I don't remember saying this. She says I did, but I said, he's coming back now in my sleep. Something to that effect. He's coming back now, or he's back now. She woke me up, said, what the hell did you say? And I didn't remember. She's white as a sheet, man. Needless to say, we ended up staying in a hotel for a week. (laughs) We got the hell out, and we stayed out. Uh, We moved as quickly and efficiently as we could. We had friends with us, and I insisted the door be open the entire time. Nobody was to use the bathroom. If somebody absolutely had to use the bathroom, everybody else would wait at the other end of the trailer, and that door stays open. I mean, I, I was terrified of that place, scared shitless of it. That feeling of loathing. That feeling of hatred by that point was constant. And it seemed really pissed that we had left. Um, nothing crazy happened while we were moving. There was at one point that uh, she had all her all her shit moved out. And then I went back in to clean up a few things and uh, grab the dishwasher. And it was, you know, it was it was empty. And the only thing left was a couple of boxes, the dishwasher. I had a couple things to clean. But there... (laughs) I'm not going to make any bold claims here. I'm not going to say that I have the ability to feel this or feel that. I'm just telling you what I felt. I've never really been super in tune with this kind of stuff. So I don't know. I'm not going to claim to be this or that. The feeling of emptiness was an understatement. It felt like a black hole there. It felt like all the oxygen had been sucked out. My heart started rapidly beating. I had trouble breathing. I fucking, it was weird, man. It was like being in a room filled with poison gas. And I ended up literally, she was so pissed at me about this. It was an encounter dishwasher. And you had to reach in and unplug it, you know, from where it was, like way under the counter, and then fish the cord out, you know, and then pull the shit out. It, you know, it would have been a pain in the ass to get out. I took a pair of shears and I cut that fucking power cord, man. <laughs> I grabbed the dishwasher and I hauled ass. Little did I know, uh, you know, uh, according to, you know, to our lack of money and my inability to fix appliances that pretty much killed the fucking dishwasher right there pissed her off it was a brand new dishwasher but as soon as we moved out boy as soon as we moved out the peeking faces were gone the lights were gone mouse acted normal never had that weird starey fucking shit again nothing was ever stacked moved nothing it seemed that whatever was inside lot 150 stayed thank god now, again, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. 
Not trying to, because a lot of this I'm not convinced of myself. I don't know what was there. I can't begin to tell you. Is it haunted? I have no clue. Is it cursed? I have no idea. Is, is it a place in between? Is it a worn spot? I don't know. What are the woods? What's back there? I never went far enough to find out. But I, as I sit here, I will never set foot inside that place again. And I've had the opportunity to. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a novelist. I've written 35 novels. 35. <laughs> uh, very John Grisham meets Stephen King kind of stuff. You know, horror thrillers. And um, one of them being Lot 150. I wrote a fictional story very loosely based on the stuff that happened there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I mean when I say I made the place famous enough. I have always had the urge to go knock on the door of whoever lives there. If it wasn't such a rough neighborhood, I probably would. But, you know, just to, just to ask, have you guys had anything strange happen here? And whenever I muster up the balls to go do that, whoever was living there just the week before was gone. I've been there three, four times, three, four different cars, three, four different people that fucking live there, three, four different sets of decorations out front. It seems that whoever stays at Law 150 don't stay there long, and I don't blame them. But I've always had that urge to knock on the door, say, hey, have you ever experienced anything? They invite me in for a drink. Sorry, buddy, I'm drinking outside. <laughs> Not trying to sell you on shit, but I will never, ever set foot in that place again. I'll never set foot in those woods again. No fucking way. I don't know what's there specifically. I can't say ghost. I can't say poltergeist. I can't say phantasm. I can't say skinwalker. I can't say this, that thing, other. Cannot tell you. I don't know if it was the little girl. I don't know if, it, if it's something that torments the little girl. I don't know if the little girl is a little girl. <laughs> I have no idea. Or if that was just a manifestation of something. All I know is that there is something inside Lot 150 in Paducah, Kentucky. I'm not going to tell you where. <laughs> I won't give you the fucking address. If you do some deduction, you can probably figure it out. Or if you read the novel, you might be able to deduce even more. But um, it's a weird place in there, man. It's weird. Really weird. I do believe, however, that the, the medicine ball analogy, right, that the earth is a medicine ball and there are parts of the ball that get handled more than others. And this ball is so fucking old and it's been handled by the almighty so much and molded and shaped that there are some parts on the ball where it's starting to wear thin and whatever it was inside the wiring the mesh on the inside starting to poke out and if you press hard enough you might just get to feel what's right inside there i think that there are places on earth like that um i'm convinced that lot 150 is one of those places the peeking faces are gone <laughs> the uh chasing little girls have stopped chasing the feet are not getting grabbed at night thank christ i always had this weird feeling that if I went back into Lot 150, yeah, I don't feel like I moved. <laughs> I don't feel like I moved out of Lot 150. I feel like I escaped. 
and nothing on this planet can convince me otherwise. I'm going to say that this one isn't proven. I can't I can't tell you what it is. I can't say it's debunked because I saw some shit in there. And I, I'm not telling you like specific things. Like I said, Reader's Digest version, right? And I... <laughs> what the fuck was I getting at? Oh, I can't... <laughs> I can't debunk this thing, nor can I prove it. This one is one of those where I'm going to say, if I just read an article about it or whatever, even if I didn't have the first-hand experience, I think it's amazing considering I did have the first-hand experience, this place merits some further study. It really does. But if you are an organization or group or whatever that believes the same thing and finds this place interesting, and wants to contact me and find out where it is, have your own little ghost hunt, then you'll do your further study with me sitting outside. Maybe not even next to the woods. I'll be sitting at the Hardee's at the front of the trailer park. <laughs> I don't like it there. Because something there does not like me. And not knowing what that is, still to this day scares the shit out of me. But anyway, guys... That's what I wanted to, you know, uh, talk about. I, I know I, like I said, I, I flipped it on you here this week. Wanted to give you kind of my own. Every family has a ghost story. Every family has their own personal kind of thing. Me, my family, I have two. One of them I will take to my grave. And this one uh, that I can talk about. <laughs> and why I'm going to take the other one to my grave, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, it, yeah, there's shit that involves shit there. Not, not literal shit. Like, nobody took a shit on anybody. I'm not talking about poo-poo. You know, I'm just talking. <laughs> there's just, uh, there's a lot of in and outs with that one. A lot of people's privacy I have to protect. And uh, it's one of those stories that uh, there's no way in fucking hell you'll ever believe me anyway. So, <laughs> Lot 150 is on just on this side. Even though it, uh, I consider it worthy of further study, this side of the fucking Twilight Zone kind of weird so what do you guys think do you have any family stories like this are there any families in your uh, families in your house houses in your families shit <laughs> that you consider haunted any places like lot 150 have you read the lot 150 now if not buy it damn it get it now or i'll come haunt your house no i'm just kidding <laughs> amazon.com check me out billy dean shoemate the third lot 150 it's a it's a it's a good book I pat myself on the back there, mostly for my editor. I pat him on the back. But anyway, guys, I will catch you later. Hope you enjoyed this kind of segue episode of uh, Strange Places here. Trust me, we're not going to do this all the time. I just felt compelled to talk about Lot 150 for some reason. I think it's because the fucking, like, I forget how many years it is. Uh, someone told me that the anniversary of the Lot 150 publishing, you know, of the book coming out uh, was creeping up and... I, I'll have to really think about how many fucking years that's been, but my brain just ain't working right now. I, maybe that compelled me to talk about it, you know, the uh, um, anniversary of the novel coming out. That's not a place I ever want to go again, and I, I will not. So you ever want to torture me? Yeah, there there you go. Just, yeah. Oh, uh, shit, I said that. Okay, I was just kidding. Okay, that was a joke. Totally not what would torture me worse than anything in the world. What would torture me are boobies, okay? Torture me with, like, titties. I'm terrified of those. So anyway, guys, okay. <laughs>
I'll catch you later. Can you can you, can you sense the uh, sarcasm? I'm terrible at thinking on my feet. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I'll catch you later. Thanks for listening for the to this episode of Strange Places. Make sure to go to, on uh, Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. That's uh, the website for Asylum817 Productions, which owns this little podcast here, my business that I started. And on the website, you'll see a link to all the books, too. So get yourself a copy of Lot 150. God damn it. So uh, thank you for listening, man. And if you guys want to throw that little extra in there, make sure to check out our Patreon account where you can get early access to shows, bonus stuff, giveaways at certain tiers, all kinds of crap, man. There's something there for everybody. Little as a dollar a month. So shout out to the patrons who do help. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. I, I, I don't know if you guys know this for sure, but if it wasn't for you, this show would not be a thing. Seriously. I appreciate your patronage. I appreciate your support. And uh, to all of you out there, just you listening is enough. But if you want to throw that little extra in there, it really does help, and it goes right back into the show. So thank you guys for listening. I will catch you on the next proper episode of Strange Places. I got some ideas. We're going to go back to uh, the places that aren't just from my life. This was a one-shot kind of deal I wanted to tell you about. So I'll catch you guys later, all right? Are we ever going to run out of Strange Places? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, even mine. And maybe, just maybe, one day, We'll visit yours. The Strange Places Podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.